I'm Brent Coleman, and this is the Everything Soccer Podcast, talking soccer and everything else with MNUFC copywriter Steve McPherson and play-by-play announcer Callum Williams. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Everything Soccer Podcast. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm here with Cal Williams. Uh, as always, we didn't play a match this past weekend, so uh, I just stared at the wall for two hours on mm. Saturday evening, not knowing what to do with myself. Uh, what What did you do instead of watching uh, us, which watching Minnesota United play? I um I did something very similar, and I watched the paint dry. Um, <laughs> did you actually watch paint dry? Did no. you paint? Oh, okay. That maybe we're going to get into something about painting your house or something. No, so. no, I was just merely trying to get on your level, to be honest. Um, <laughs> no. Keep up. Um, what did I do? I um, just for a change, I uh, spent the weekend watching soccer. Um, okay. Lots of Premier League games this weekend, which which were fabulous entertainments. Uh, and, and several Major League Soccer games which were equally, if not better, um, in terms of entertainment as well. So, um, really nice weekend, just lovely. You know, we, we, we don't get a chance to have an off weekend, really, do we? Um, right. So, it, it was nice. Um, you know, I I got a chance to go and check out a couple of breweries that, that I'd been meeting to oh, with nice. a couple of, couple of friends and a couple of colleagues. Um, so, that was nice, down in the, the Loring Park area. Okay. Um, so, that was really good. I... I, I I've had a, a firmly relaxed weekend, but uh, as I said, it's um, certainly, as it should always be, it was was overshadowed in a good way by, by Major League Soccer and the Premier League, for sure. Sure. Uh, okay, a couple questions about that. First, uh, how different do you think the experiences of American fans of the, uh, of the EPL, given that they have to get up at, you know, an early hour on Saturday and that that's when they experience it versus sort of the more standard you go to games in the evening mm. uh, sort of I feel like that changes the experience a good amount uh, like what's your impression of that having experienced it on both sides of the pond so yeah you're right it, it does change the experience but what you guys are doing what the Americans are doing at the moment really well is they are creating this atmosphere this culture that that um, involves a lot of um, it, it has a lot of similarities to, to what English people do when they watch the Premier League so Look, I mean, there's not much to it. You go to the pub and watch the football. <laughs> um, I just don't like getting up early on the weekends. That's the yeah, thing no, I, I, I know. But I, I, it, it's just the way that it's always been here, obviously, and it's never going to change because of the time zone. So, um, But look, I mean, I, I as, as I was saying earlier on, we, we don't get much of a chance to do things like this. So I took full advantage of the off weekend and spent my Saturday morning slash afternoon in, in Brits down in, in Minneapolis. Great place, um, great spot. Just wonderful, just really good. Shane and all the boys who run that place have done a phenomenal job. It is by far the most authentic British pub I've seen in the United States. Um, you guys don't really do pubs here. Um, no. It's more of a bar yes. scene, which, fine, no problem. But um, being an English slash Irishman, it's, um, I, I do like a good pub. And, yes. and it's... Um, Brits and the local, to be fair, um, I, I think do a really good job in in uh, giving you um, an atmosphere that would be certainly similar to, to what you would get if you were over there. So mm-hmm. uh, it was great. I um, I really enjoyed um, hanging out with a lot of people 
Saturday morning slash afternoon watching the Manchester derby, um, which, as I mentioned earlier on, was, was tremendous value. Um, right. And it was just great to be able to do that. As I said, we, we don't get a chance to do that. So it was really nice to, to go and hang out with a lot of people um, and, and just, just see what soccer fans in Minneapolis do on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned you got out to some breweries. Uh, what, what breweries, what were the new ones you checked out? Um, is it Lake, Lake and Legends? Okay. Um, These are in Loring Park, you said? That's, that's down in Loring okay. Park, yes. I have not been to any breweries down in Loring. I live in Northeast, so I still have only, I've been to, I've probably been to about a dozen breweries in Northeast, and I think that's only 10% of the breweries uh, yes. in my immediate yeah. neighborhood, so I'm still working my way through that. <laughs> no, so. I mean, look, it's, it, the, the thing is here, Steve, we, we are spoiled, aren't we, with the mm-hmm. amount of choice we have, and it's one of many things I love about the Twin Cities is, is that, and um, yeah, Lake and Legends... Forgive me if I've gotten that wrong. I think that's what it was called. Um, really, really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm very much um, a wheat beer kind of guy. Okay. And they had some fabulous wheat beer, so we had a couple of jars there, and, and it was it was lovely. It was really, really great. Um, I, I can't remember the, the other ones that we did. I know we, we ended up somewhere. So in, it was a good trip then. It was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't remember the names of the breweries. I can't remember. We, we ended up going up to your neck of the woods, actually, um, okay. in northeast and whatnot. But we had a, a, a good time in North Loop as well. And um, it, it, I must admit, Steve, it's the one thing I, I've not really, um, I, not to harp on the fact that we don't have time, but you know, I've been in Minneapolis and St. Paul now for a year. I've not done a good enough job in going out and seeing it. Sure. Um, I, I get a lot of abuse from, from some of the lads in the office who I tend to, to have a drink with from time to time because I, I've got this five-block radius downtown Minneapolis yeah. uh, where I live because it's just so easy. Um, yeah. But I need to get out and explore more. I went to my first uh, wild game on Monday evening. Oh, nice. Uh, which was fabulous, and I'll definitely go back. Um, um, sat in a little suite with a few people and... Um, just had a good time. But the reason I bring that up is because then um, one of the chaps I was with from sponsorship, Josh Givens, we we ended up then just going down into St. Paul for a beer. And uh, I finally got to experience the Liffey. Oh, yeah. Which was wonderful. I was going to say, there's a couple Irish pubs that I think are pretty solid around here. The Liffey is one of them. The Um, Liffey's great. Kieran's is good. Uh, What was the other one that I like? Merlin's Rest, which is on uh, Lake Street. Uh, that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of really good Irish pubs, I think, and the Liffey is is definitely one of them. So Liffey's, I really enjoyed the Liffey, and, and like I said, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the the first NHL experience as well. That I, I had only ever been to a preseason NHL game before, okay. um, and so seeing it, you know, in inverted commas for real, <laughs> right, um, right? It was tremendously entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get you out there. Well. Uh, if we have any listeners who want to suggest anything that, that you should definitely do. Have you been to Matt's for a Juicy Lucy? Yes, yes. I've been okay. to Matt's. Yep. Okay, so you, you've done a couple of the, the trademark, you know, food, experience, cultural experiences in that, I, in I that have, regard. So. I have, Steve. I just, I just don't feel I've done enough. I've been yeah. here for over a year now. Yeah. And so if anybody has any recommendations, please, because I'm the, – the thing as well is, um, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting a little bit as well. My missus moves here soon, and I've been sort of waiting a little bit. Um, sure, because you know, I, I want to have all these first-time experiences with her. Um, so that's my excuse for being lazy. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Always, always use your significant other as an excuse for for anything you can. I think, um, as someone who's been married for ten years, I, <laughs> I'm down with that. So let's talk a little MLS. Past weekend in MLS, uh, any anything that stuck out to you? I have a couple of things I want to talk about, but uh, you know, what, what did you see? Um, first of all, I thought the Atlanta LAFC game was intriguing. 
Um, it was never a 5-0 game. Right. Never a 5-0 game. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> Our favorite phrase. <laughs> um, look, they're just so dangerous going forward, Atlanta. Are. They really are. Um, we have experienced that in full flow. Um, LAFC, I think, have got a couple of different issues defensively. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that the back line has enough protection in front of them. Um, I like the Canadian kid, Kaye, in midfield, but I don't think he's quite enough for an expansion team. Um, poor old Benny Failharbour is trying to run the, run the show and, and it just didn't seem to work on Saturday at all. Um, Laurent Simon and, and Walker Zimmerman are, are two of the finest centre-backs you will find in Major League Soccer. Uh, it's just going to take time for them to get a rapport yeah. and get used to each other, and, and I thought they were all over the place. I really did on, on Saturday. Um, the other thing that, that I, I thought was, uh, was really noticeable was, was how good Sporting Kansas City were as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what a, what a fabulous win that was away at, at LA Galaxy last night. Um, you know, just, just in my opinion, I know Peter Vermees doesn't like the, the term statement win, but, but I, I would go as far as saying that was because I think they, they look to the business and they really mean business this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something about the statement win thing. I mean, as someone who's only really been close to MLS for a season, it seems like in different sports, it, it, you know, that, that question of how much any individual game during the season matters um, you know, in baseball, obviously, there's so many games that there, a statement, any one game doesn't really sort of give you a statement. Plus, you have this high variability of who's pitching and, like, you know, where they are in the rotation. Each team can be a little different. Not not even, forgive my interruption here, Steve, not, is it not even a statement win if you go and win at the Yankees? Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that it's a, it's a question more of the series, you know, like if you, okay. if you, cause you know, they'll play three games in a week right, against right. one team, right? Okay. If, so say if you, you sort win of, the series at the if Yankees. you win the series or something, I think that could, could mean something. But again, it's like, you're talking about 162 games right, for every right. team. So, and then in, in, even in basketball with, with 82 games, I feel like the results of any one individual game, uh, Sometimes there can be a statement had, and I think that there's obviously things about tiebreakers that are important. It feels like with with MLS at the at 34 games is about that right level where it's not just in the NFL. It's too few games. Like sure. obviously every game is important, yep. but so many games depend on things that are out of the team's control. I think that in MLS it seems like it's a good level where you can look back at a team. You know, I look back at last season for us, and I look back at that win over Atlanta late, and that felt like. Not necessarily a statement, but it felt like, oh, well, there's a template here. There's right. there's the team playing in the way that we think they should play in order to achieve what we think they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And and I think that you you can see that in MLS. So to say that, you know, SKC had this sort of statement game, um, you know, they withstood the Zlatan mm-hmm. onslaught uh, <laughs> after he came on. I was sort of curious about that, like the Zlatan 2, the, the sequel, the right. return of Zlatan for his second game. Uh, I mean, eventually, I guess every time he comes in, it won't be, um, you know, a moment. But for now, it seems like it is sort of a moment. Is Is he – do you think he is destined to eventually – start or is this his role is he going to is he going to be a guy you come on who comes on in the game to make a difference you know not in the last 10 minutes but maybe it stretches back to like the last 30 or something eventually but i think if zlatan wants to start zlatan starts (laughs) zlatan does what zlatan wants (laughs) but like what's the best what what's the best use of him um you start him steve okay you start him moving forward he he's too gifted of a player still to to not have him on the field as long as possible right um 
you know, just what he did in just those couple of moments against LAFC last, uh, you know, last week was was spectacular. And, and I know there are certain aspects as to why that happened, but um, you know, against when he came on against Kansas City, the, the only reason that he, he's not starting yet is because he had the injury, right. um, you know, a couple of months ago, six months ago, whenever it was, um, when he he uh, did damage to his knee for Manchester United. Um, had that not have been the case. Absolutely, he would have started. You'd rather start him and have him just score three goals than he could just sit on that. <laughs> the one thing I will say, I think we need to temper expectations with, with Ibrahimovic yeah. because, um, you know, look, no, no one is ever going to start as well as he did against LAFC last week. Right. Um, as I said on, on a previous podcast that we did, he's done his job now, in my opinion. He's, he's grabbed so many, uh, hundreds of thousands of eyeballs he's grabbed for that moment, for that goal. Right. Um to tie things up um, people are tuned in and I, I don't know what the international television numbers were for, for the game against Kansas City but I bet you they were a lot bigger because of his presence yeah. than they would have been before Absolutely. so um, this is why you bring these kind of players into this league because mm-hmm. they do help grow um, and they help with the stature and, and the standing of the league in world football and um, you know it but Zlatan coming here doesn't mean it's a retirement league, and I know we've, we've discussed this yeah. already, but it, 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 still people insist on, on saying it from time to time, and I just can't agree at all. that There are uh, so many first division, Premier League, whatever the top flights are called around the league, there are so many around the world, rather, there are, there are so many top flight leagues around the world that would take Ibrahimovic in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Um, and we have him in our league, and it's it's great. So yeah, if he had gone to Liga MX, we wouldn't be saying, "Oh, well, now Liga MX is a retirement." Right, league. exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Or that somebody somebody pointed this out on, out on Twitter. It might have been Jeff Ruder. That no, somebody else it might have been West Bernie. Anyways, uh, someone was saying how you know he go he went to the Premier League at you know thirty five, mm-hmm. and the average age of players in the Premier League is higher than in MLS. Sure. And nobody is like, "Oh, well." Hmm. It's a retirement league. I think there is a lot. I mean, perception is a lot of that. But I think that I think that as players are more productive and come over younger, I mean, the 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 impression of what the league is like is always going to be a lagging indicator behind what the league actually is like. Yeah, I, I think the issue is, Steve, is that um, a lot of people, um, particularly over in Europe and and particularly in England as well, because people. I had to learn this myself coming over here for the first time. When you, you take a step away from the Premier League, you don't realise how good it is until you, you do move away. Sure. Um, because it's on our doorstep. Right. So in England, you just think the Premier League is the standard around the world. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not. The Premier yeah. League, in my opinion, is the best league in the world for, yeah. for many different reasons. Um, so when you, when you step out of it and you watch it from afar, you do realise how good it is. Um, now, Major League Soccer is not the Premier League. Major League Soccer is not La Liga or the Bundesliga. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a bad league. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm the, the the main issue from an international standpoint, Steve, is that a lot of I, I think Major League Soccer still, from time to time, suffers from a past reputation. Mm-hmm. Because we all know, and I mean this um, without offending anybody, Major League Soccer has has changed drastically even over the last five years oh yeah for sure um so if anything that's a sign of growth more than anything in my opinion um 
it, and you mentioned all the young players coming over here. I love how the league is scouting in South America and, and bringing all these players in Darwin Quintero being the latest. I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but the, the difference now that I've noticed, Steve, is players coming over here now that are of a certain age. Um, Ibrahimovic, Bastien Schweinsteiger, David Villa, and so on. They, they come here now um, and they still want to play. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, five, ten years ago, that probably wasn't the case. I, I, I think, and I'm not putting everybody in the same bracket here, I'm saying I think certain individuals came here um, not expecting the, the, the level of football to be the way it is. Right. I think a lot of people came here and they probably couldn't play in Europe anymore, so they wanted to, to finish their career in the United States or in the Middle East or somewhere like that, you know. Sure. Now the United States um, and its top division is moving away from that massively. Um, you know, and I use those names, just then the three names that I use because they could still play in Europe. Right. But there are players that have come here... Um, I think Andrea Pirlo is, is the classic example who who thought, I'm just going to go and enjoy my football for the last two years, not have much pressure and, and see what happens. Yeah. What a complete and utter disaster that was. Right, right. Pirlo was, was an absolute shambles. And, and, and it was a shame to see him end a career like that because yeah. he was unbelievable um, across uh, his time with Juventus and AC Milan and whatnot. But um, look, th- th- this league continues to get better and better. Every, every day, every year, and I think it's the right time to be following Major League Soccer for sure. Yeah, and I think that there's not, there's not going to be that one thing that changes that perception or that changes the way the league is. I mean, I think we're looking for that kind of thing because in retrospect, we look back at things like Beckham coming over as this sort of watershed moment of this changes yep. the league. But the reality is that the changes, the league is changing constantly across a lot of different spectrums and a lot of different ways. And, you know, the, I think sometimes the idea, you know, there's the popular idea of the tipping point in this moment where something flips over. I think we look back and see that, but only in hindsight, you know, mm-hmm. like that doesn't help us predict what that tipping point is going to be. Like there's not, it, it's not always clear what that is because you look at, like we're talking about these young guys like Al Marone and, um, you know, who are coming from uh, South America and Ezekiel Barco and sort of this, you know, this class of player there's not necessarily going to be one of those guys that is like, this is the guy. It's sort of, it's a wave of guys and it's going to make everything change across a couple different parameters over time. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, now we, I'm sure, you know, 10, 20 years from now, we can look back and say like, this was the thing. Sure. But that's just not, it's just, that's useful in terms of understanding how the league got to where it eventually gets, but I don't know if it's going to help us right now looking at where the league is going. Um, Let's go back to Atlanta a little bit and talk about, um, VAR, because uh, there was sort of a controversial moment in in the Atlanta game where uh, McCann was tossed and then and then brought back. Yep. Um, maybe not specifically that that incident, but obviously VAR is still in its uh, infancy within the league. Um, you know, it probably still needs to find its its balance. I think. <laughs> You know, what is your – how do you feel about it? I mean, I feel like the idea of bringing in review is good as an idea. Um, I worry that maybe the calibration of exactly when and exactly what can be done with it is still in flux. Like, what what, what are your thoughts on it? 
First of all, we've got to be careful here, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus or like any individual decision. It's just, I think I want to talk about it more as the basic idea of, like, like again, coming from the NBA, sure. there are, you can review certain things, and then in the review of those things, even if you perceive a foul that was not called, you can't then add that foul onto the moment. You right, know? right. So there's, I think the NBA has very carefully worked to calibrate exactly these are the situations and this is what can be overturned. And people are still upset about it. I mean, this is the kind of thing that people are always going to be upset about. But, you know, like, w- w- what is the calibration that still has to be gone through, do you think, to make it, to make it feel like – Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe this is a point you can't ever find. Ever somebody's always going to be upset <laughs> yeah. about it. But certainly, certainly, if Atlanta had been playing ten men down, like that would have changed that the, the, the tenor of that game a lot. So, as, as Minnesota United well know, mm-hmm. um, it it still needs fine tuning. Um, I'm I'm a fan of the process as long as it's done quickly, as quickly as possible. Right. Because that was always the big fear, wasn't it, that it was going to slow the game down. Right. And I, I think it it has to a certain extent. Um, for what it's worth, I think the Chris McCann decision was the right decision to to not send him off because sure. yes, it's a it's a hard challenge. He goes in, um, but he gets plenty of the ball. I know he gets plenty of the player, but he gets plenty of the ball. I, I think a yellow card was the right decision. Right. Um, so th- this is where I'm in favour of VAR because at the end of the day, the, the right decision has been made. But then. I can't remember if it was the Atlanta game or it was another game I was watching. Um, maybe it was the um, the Orlando game. I can't remember. A- anyway, th- there was an incident where VAR was was involved, and there was a penalty awarded. The referee goes to VAR, goes to have a look at the monitor, um, and the replay shows, at least in my opinion, it's not a penalty. Nowhere near a penalty. And the ref comes back and still gives the penalty. So, you know, I, it, it, it's at the end of the day, you're still going to get frustrated with the referees because at the end of the day, it's 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 still going to come down to their decision. They make the final call. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of VAR in in terms of getting it right, um, because there have been so many times in world football, Steve, where, where crucial decisions have been called a completely wrong way. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I, I understand and I support the idea of uh, VAR, but the execution of it perhaps needs to, to improve. And, and look, this is, we, we, it's still in, in its infancy. You know, right. we, we've got a lot of, of time to, to learn how to, to perfect it. Um, you know, so I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes over the next... Um, the next couple of years, I think, in the World Cup, it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know if the, I can't remember if they've decided to use it in the Champions League or not next year. Um, when it gets to uh, a world footballing stage, I I wonder what the the big boys at FIFA will do if there's a you know if there's a catastrophic decision. Right. made that's gone completely wrong you know what I mean I, I wonder what will happen then so yeah. th- that's when it's really going to be going to be tested for sure yeah I think that uh, I mean one of the elements that's it, it's tough because you want to get it right right and that this is what it, this is a step toward but I think that in a lot of sports you sort of begin to accept a certain cognitive dissonance of you know like you look at baseball nowadays you look at they can draw the strike zone on the screen and then they show exactly where the ball went and it's called a strike by the umpire, but it's a ball. And then you just sort of have to say, 
well, that's the decision. There's sure. it's more art than science in terms of calling balls and strikes. And and I think it brings in a lovely element to that game in terms of, you know, like catchers selling, you know, the, the pitch, like they'll sort of catch it and pull it up. And they're like, I kind of like that human element of mm. a little chicanery, like a little bit of selling. And certainly that yep. exists in soccer as well. I mean, I think that there's a lot on goal where it was like, is he offside? Is he not offside? Which they didn't go to VAR. Um, for that, and it, and then ultimately it was like, well, he might be offside, but only by six inches. I was like, well, then he is offside. Like, yeah. And so I think that the application of it maybe needs to be, is the thing to me that like like the specific instance is not. It's hard to you know legislate each individual decision to go to it or not to go to it. I think the consistency of when they do it needs to get a little better. Like mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's still a little foggy exactly. You know, they sort of went through a lot of um, trying to explain, well, on goals it can be done, on red cards it can be done, um, but it's not always done, you know, and I don't necessarily think it should always be done, but I think that, like, the triggers for when it happens are still a little murky. Um, There's a few growing pains there, aren't there? And, and yeah. one example I, remember, I do remember going uh, and watching back was the uh, Orlando game when, I, I can't remember who the player was, um, but it was a penalty given to Orlando and um, no, sorry, it was it was Portland. Yeah, so a, a penalty was given to Portland. It was Blanco who went down, who'd already been booked. Okay. And the referee blew in favour of Orlando because he thought Sebastian Blanco had, had uh, dived. So it was a second yellow card, red card. I think the referees, not all of them, but I still think there's an element of, of confusion there as well because, to my knowledge, and, and I think Taylor Twelman did a great job of explaining this on the ESPN broadcast, Second yellow cards aren't reviewable. It's okay. all straight red cards. I see. So what's the referee reviewing here? So I, I, I still think, you know, so he, he, he gave the penalty in the end. Yeah. So then is the card rescinded? Right, okay. But so what are you reviewing? You know what I mean? Are you, yeah. Are you reviewing the penalty? Are you reviewing the dive? What's the... Right, you right. Know, so it, look, there's, there's, there's still a lot that needs to be figured out with it. But ultimately, I'm... I'm a fan of it if it if it means the right decision is made. Yeah. I think it needs more playtesting to borrow from video games that I think that, you know, when someone when they make a video game, they have people who are testing it, but you can't compare that to when it gets out in the wild and there's millions of people playing it. Suddenly they they discover things that no playtester could ever be expected to to unearth. So I think that, you know, they 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 sort of figured out theoretically how this should work and now we're seeing how it works. Uh, we'll see how it works over a whole season, but you know, I hope they are transparent. Uh, going forward about at the end of the season they say mm-hmm. okay well this is the results of VAR this is how many were overturned this is how many weren't this is how we need to improve this you know just sort of the, I would like to be able to I would like to hear that part of it I think so. yeah that, that's the other thing I'll say as well Steve I completely agree with that we need to figure out a way to communicate to the audience what's going on mm-hmm. because I, I go back to what I just talked about and that um, penalty that was was not given and then was given yeah um, it you know, there was an element of confusion with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And especially with a sport that is still, I, I think a lot of people who are, are becoming fans of it are still um, not super knowledgeable, yep. you know, which there's no problem with that. No. I mean, I think, you know, I, there growing. are things I'm learning all the time about it, you know. so I, things I'm learning about it, Steve. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that, but I think that it's, it's you need to give that service to fans because you want to help educate them as to what to expect or how to understand it. So the more clarity um, with that, the better. All right, let's do uh, 
so my my kids like Octonauts. I don't know if you're familiar with Octonauts, but it's a kid's show. Okay. Um, a bunch of cute little creatures. They live under the water and they uh, work with sea life. And so at the end of each uh, at the end of each episode, they do this song where it's like creature report. Creature report, creature report, and it will get stuck in your head if you ever listen to it. So, this is quite the turning of corners here. Yeah, so what, I, so what I want is the Darwin report, Darwin <laughs> report, Darwin report. Uh, you got to get out, you were at training last week, right? Did you yes. uh, did you get to get a, sort of some impressions of Darwin uh, on on the pitch? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, mouthwatering, just yeah. I mean, mine are so far from what I've heard or seen. I didn't. I wasn't able to get out to training last week. Um, it, it, we had the bye week, and so yep. you know different tasks. But um, but everything I've heard is like, well, he'll, he'll, he's just going to bring an element and a, and a dimension to the team that it just hasn't had. But l- let me hear your impressions as a firsthand witness. Just the next level, um, and I say that with all due respect to our current players. Darwin Quintero has played at a very, very high level um, throughout the majority of his career. Um, and he'll come to MLS and play at a very high level. But um, there was, so they, they played, a, the team played a scrimmage on, on Thursday, a closed door scrimmage, which um, myself and Jeremy and Kendra were um, fortunate to, to be invited to. Um, and um, there was, one goal that he scored, one particular moment. So, so first of all, before I talk about the goal, some of his passing range is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's exactly what Minnesota United needs. Um, he is. He's not going to be a number ten exactly. He'll he'll play a little higher. He'll be more of a false nine more than anything. Right. Um, but some of his passing range, Steve, was was exceptional. His vision is second to none. His delivery of the passes, the timing of them as well, the weight of the pass, it was it was wonderful. Um, but the one thing that I noticed was just how much he was enjoying himself and, and the confidence that he had about his ability. Um, the goal that he scored was uh, was uh, <laughs> I mean it, it wouldn't have been out of place in in the, the biggest game in the world. And, and here we are just playing a little scrimmage in in Bielenberg. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was. Um, he picks the ball up midway through the uh, the opposition half. Um, for some reason, he was dropping a little deeper there as well. And, and again, I look, I, I still think we'll see that despite him playing a false none. I still think he will drop a little deeper from time to time to pick up the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to Harrison Heath actually about him, and, and he just said, I just gave him the ball every time. Whenever the ball came to me, I just looked for where he was and I just <laughs> gave it to him. Sure. You know? Right. Um, and he was saying, like, he squeezed through these little gaps and everything. Like, how has he done that? How has he gone through there? Yeah. Um, so anyway, Quintero picks up the ball midway through, goes past the defensive midfielder, and then almost like a pinball machine, he's gone through, he's weaved through four players and found a way through goal, through uh, and, and, and in on goal, and he's just opened up the hips and confidently slotted it in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I remember the, <laughs> it was funny, myself and Jeremy and Kendra were like, ooh, look at this guy. And I looked to my right, and Dr. Bill Maguire was there rubbing his hands together. <laughs> <laughs> so that there is um, an element of excitement for sure, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing him in Portland, as as you will see him in Portland as well for your um, your first road trip. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things happening. It's it's going to be the Timbers' home opener. Yep. Uh, with their newly expanded stadium. See this? I, I've heard this isn't true. What? So we, we I know we have spoken about this on the podcast, and now I've been told that the expansion hasn't happened. Oh. Yeah, which 
Absolutely, because, well, why on earth have they had so many away games there? Yeah. So I'm going to do some digging this week okay. and find out, <laughs> and I shall give the answer on this podcast the next all time right, we do all right. it. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll all see what happens, but it's, sure, it's definitely going to be Portland's home opener yes, one way is. or another. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be Darwin's debut, presumably. Uh, um, yes, you know, I'd, I'd be stunned if it wasn't. Yeah, which so there's going to be a lot of exciting things going on uh, this weekend. And your first road trip. And you owe me a steak. <laughs> I've heard that steak's kind of expensive, so... Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. Okay. Um, I, I, Money I, means nothing to you. Well, not go that far, mate. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> I think um, uh, what is going to be good, Steve, what, what, what's going to be good, Steve, is that you're going to, you know, see what life is like on the road. Yeah. And, and I know that's very cliche and everything, but um, people don't understand, you know, on the road, it, it really is, um, it's almost like a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, you, you obviously get yourself ready and prepped in the week and everything and in, in terms of work but also your personal life as well like right, well, which, sure. which shirt am I going to be wearing I've got to get right. ready and whatever and, and <laughs> all that kind of stuff so I mean yeah. look it, it's not exactly exhilarating stuff that I'm talking about there but right. um, life on the road in Major League Soccer is is particularly interesting yeah. um, and I think you're going to have a whale of a time yeah I'm looking forward to it it should be fun I mean I've always liked getting to take those chan- those those trips to I went to the All-Star game for the NBA and mm-hmm. did Summer League and, and then I you know like it was, we talked about before I was a musician so I would go on trips for playing shows and it, it does create this sort of camaraderie of, of being on the road with a group of people and yes. you know engaged in, uh, in, in a task so uh, it's a small family and again I know that's cliche yeah. but, but it really is it really really is <laughs> Um, so uh, let's do let's do one more thing. Um, have you seen The Wire? I haven't. No. You haven't you, seen you, The Wire. You asked me this a while ago. And Did I, I ask you? It. You still yeah, haven't no. seen it? Okay. <laughs> I, I I was gonna bring it back up because um, it's. I am rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, may have discussed this before, um, but I just got through the second season of of this show, and I wanted to bring up because I think it's interesting with regard to how we are fans of sports teams and and the sort of the tension between uh, the narratives we want to tell about a sports team, and then the fact that it's also just a bunch of people working all kinds of different people working together mm-hmm. and trying to figure stuff out that uh, there's a, in a lot of shows you see there's like good guys and bad guys, right? That's the traditional yep. format. Nowadays we have anti-heroes and less heroic anti-terrible so people. plots and everything uh, all over the place. Yes. Like, nothing's ever simple anymore. It's far too complicated. For no. Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, and you have these, you see a lot of directly oppositional forces in shows. In Game of Thrones, you have, you know, there's the Starks and the Lannisters, yep, yep. and they're sort of indirect opposition. Um, you know, you see this all the time where even if they're not necessarily good guys and bad guys, people are arrayed against each other, uh, and one side wants to defeat the other side. And mm-hmm. we, we naturally adopt this into sports because we have two teams, and we one team wants to beat the other team. Yep. And then I think sometimes, but when we think about how a team gets built, we get caught up in this sort of, you know, we need to do this to achieve this. And if we don't do this, then it means this. And The Wire is a great story because it's obviously fictional, but it does a fantastic job of showing that it's not always people who are in direct opposition to each other. Sometimes there's just groups of people and they want different things, but those things collide, and yep. then they can frustrate each other uh, without necessarily even meaning to. Mm. You know that, and and this is the, one of the wire's great triumphs is that it it shows the systems that are at work in America, and how it's not necessarily like the system is trying to keep you down. It's just that the system is the system, and it's clunky mm. and it's imperfect. And when you try to change it, sometimes it's going to stop that change from happening. 
not because it doesn't like you, <laughs> but because that's just it, it, life just gets complicated and yep. you have many people. And I think that's one of the to me, I was thinking about it just with regard to, you know, building the team and looking at Minnesota United and, and our desire to sort of build the team the right way, which is a thing we talk about a lot yep. that we wanted to the team wanted to build a core sort of foundation. And then once there was that foundation uh, to look to add somebody like Darwin Quintero, who we've been mm-hmm. talking about, who who fits that vision, but also takes it to a new level. Um, and again, that's, I think it's smart team building. That doesn't mean the right choices are always made. That doesn't mean things don't get complicated. That doesn't mean that things don't come in that, that complicate stuff, but that, you know, there's no end results um, to the team. There is always building, you know? Mm-hmm. So you see a thing like, you know, I, I know I'm not party to how much, I know that the team was interested in Quintero before Kevin Molino went yes, down. Yes, absolutely they were, yeah. But I don't know how much Molino going down accelerated that timeline, how much it know. really – exactly. It's like we, we're not sure. It's like mm-hmm. we know there was interest there, but does that shift the conversation at a moment that's critical? You know, and then uh, what is this set up for the future of Molino alongside Quintero, which we're not going to know about for some amount of time? There, I think that – it's good to remember that there's a lot of fun stuff going on yeah, <laughs> all the time and to enjoy the moments that happen uh, without necessarily worrying so much about, you know, yeah, did, was this right? What does this say? It's, you know, it's, so. it, I, I do wonder, Steve, why does everything have to be a, a debate in today's day and age? Why can't we just enjoy something? Right. You know, or, or just accept something for what it is or whatever. Let, let's, let's just enjoy. Yeah. You know, everything's a debate, I, especially on social media as well. My word. It just, you know. Just, just enjoy what whatever it is that that, that you enjoy in front of you, and, and just just relax. It's, you know, it's it's quite intriguing. But look, I guess this is just today's day and age, isn't it? People yeah. have a platform and everything, and there are a lot many of, different ways. There are a lot of takes flying around. Yeah, about. absolutely. I'm all, I'm all for debate. Like I, 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 I enjoy a sensible debate, um, particularly about soccer. I will always talk about soccer with anybody. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I, just, I wonder, my word, what what's going on? But. Um, the, the one show that I am watching at the moment, which I'll just change shift gears sure, quickly, yeah. um, it's a show on Netflix uh, called The Inbetweeners. Okay, the I, have Inbetweeners, not, I don't know about it. The Inbetweeners is an English show. Oh, that's why uh, I don't know about it. Know. <laughs> it's an English show um, that follows um, four four guys in high school in England. Um and I would encourage people to watch it because it is hilarious. Okay. Um, it's on the comedy side of the yeah, spectrum? Yeah, I think so, okay. yeah. It's called The Inbetweeners. All right. And it is, I, Steve, I can't tell you how true it is. It's such an accurate reflection okay. of how high school is in England. You know, very little education done. <laughs> right, okay. It's more about you surviving. Sure. And that's what it's mainly about. All right. I will say, don't watch it with... Young children, okay, <laughs> noted. Or people that are easily offended, um, but it, it is it is absolutely hilarious. Half, and, and half hour show, hour show, half like, hour, yeah, half hour. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good to know. I feel like I often want to know whether I'm in for an hour or sure. if I'm in for a half hour, so that can help. But this is a good recommendation. Thank you, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to hearing what your takes are on the in between. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I do like things that are acutely that really get at something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there was, like, Freaks and Geeks was the American high school show that I think nailed the feeling of high school in America mm-hmm. the best. So uh, I'm definitely interested in that. My wife and I have been watching Catastrophe a little bit, which okay. is um, Rob Delaney's show. Uh, I'm blanking on the woman's name, but she's great as well. Uh, and they are later in life people who 
uh, have it takes place in England, so it should be right up your um, okay. your alley. What's it called uh, again? Uh, catastrophe. Okay. Uh, basically, they have like a, a sort of fling while he's on a business trip in England, and then she gets pregnant, and they're mm. both like post thirty, ah. you know, and they decide to have the baby and get married and everything like that. And it's a uh, it's a great it's hilarious. Rob Delaney is hilarious, uh, uh, and I'm I feel terrible that I can't remember the woman's name right now, but uh, she is also terrific and, and hilarious. Uh, it is also very, it can be very crude, uh, but uh, very true to, I think, some of the experiences of, of being married uh, in a way that is a lot better than your average sitcom, sort of everybody loves Raymond type thing. So Catastrophe, that's on it Amazon. It's, uh, I recommend it. I'll have to give it a um, go. I'll get married in September, so I'll have to prepare myself for, for Well, all this. maybe wait until you've been married for a oh, while. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Watch something more romantic to begin okay. with. So, um, <laughs> not that there, there's tremendous joy and and reward to be had in a long, you know, relationship. Mm. Um, once kids begin to enter into it, it just gets a lot more complicated. It's also beautiful. I mean, it was – so I was – I'm not going to get into it, but I, I was down in Washington, D.C. this past week. Uh, my wife went down with my oldest – and then I joined them on Thursday, mm. and I've been taking care of the two-year-old myself for about four days. And uh, she was great; she's fantastic. Uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. But seeing my kids like be reunited after they had not been together for a while, it was so fun to watch them play yeah. in such a pure kind of way. So there's all kinds of joys that you don't get in any other kind of way sure, sure. once you have a family. But there are other things about it. As well. So, um, all right. So with that said, I'm just, we're just going to wrap this up now. Uh, thanks for joining us for the seventh Everything Soccer podcast. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks uh, to look back at the match against Seattle Sounders, which is in, in a few weeks. Uh, maybe we'll also touch on uh, Portland. And then we'll look ahead to our next home match, which is on Saturday, April 28th against Houston Dynamo. That's presented by Toro. I believe I'm supposed to be saying that. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes if you could and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and you can follow me at Steve Venturis. Remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>